Hello and you're very welcome to the Living Wholeheartedly podcast. Uh, we hope that you are enjoying these podcasts as together as the Methodist Church in Ireland and even beyond these shores. Uh, we commit ourselves to living wholeheartedly as followers of Jesus for the transformation of the world. Today we're speaking to Grace McGurk, uh, who's based uh, here in Edgehill House as part of the Ministries team. Grace, you're really welcome and thank you very much uh, for being part of this conversation today. Will you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Well, thank you very much for the invitation, for having me today. A wee bit about myself. Um, so I'm a child of Methodist Manse. I was brought up um, in uh, the Methodist Manses um, around Ireland. Um, I committed, I made a commitment over 40 years ago, long time. Um, as my dad uh, knelt beside my bed as a, as a young child and helped me to pray the, the words that I wanted to pray um, to, to make that to that commitment. Um, so I moved around, obviously, as the, the Methodist mm -hmm. Church does, we moved around. Um, and I guess I didn't really appreciate that very much, um, especially in, in my teenage years. But there we go. <laughs> Um, professionally, um, I trained to be a secondary school teacher right. um, at Stromulus, um, but as my, and obviously taught then for a few years after that, okay. um, but I, as my family grew um, with, uh, with having children, I then moved out of that for, for a season, um, did some admin roles um, and then moved again into a very different role um, as, a, as a support worker. Um, I did that for eight years. So it was a support worker with a, a leading organisation that specialises um, in helping and supporting victims of, of domestic abuse. Okay. I did that for eight years before then coming here uh, four years ago to be the learning and development officer um, as part of the as the ministries team. Um, so, yes, been here now for four years. I um, am a member of the Methodist Church and have been for 27 years right. in Newton Abbey Methodist Mission in Rathcoole Estate. And I volunteer um, in different aspects there uh, in the mission. Those roles have changed okay. over, the, over those 27 years. Um, and I volunteer connectionally as well for different things. And I suppose last I have four sons. Lovely. So Sam's 27, Ben's 22, and then twins, Daniel and Connor, who are 20. Right. So I feel very old. <laughs> <laughs> so I do. But yes, so. That's yeah, so lots of free time then with all of that going oh, on. Oh, lots. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us in the middle of all of that. So home with the, I was going to say boys with the men. Yes. And um, your and work the dog. here. <laughs> and the dog, your work here, the voluntary work that you do mm -hmm. in your own church and connection. I know you were yeah. cooking at Castlewell and I yes, think and cooking next week as well here. In the midst of all of that, what does living wholeheartedly look like for Grace McGurk every day? Yeah. So I suppose for me, um, in thinking about that, there's there's actually a few strands to that. So if you allow, if you allow me just to yes. break to break it down um, a, a wee bit, 
um, in that to explain it. So f- first of all, um, it's about prayer. Okay. Um, uh, first and foremost, uh, lots and lots of prayer um, as I try to live wholeheartedly um, every day. Um, so lots of prayer. Um, for me, secondly, it's about uh, servant life okay. or servant heart. Um, as I maybe prefer uh, to refer it to. Um, and that's not in my own strength, but with and for God that mm-hmm. I think of that that servant heart. Um, for me, uh, Christ is more than an, an example to follow or a, a teacher who points um, the way. Um, he he's a power source okay. for me uh, to live how I believe he he calls me me to live. Yeah. So servant heart is is definitely something for me. And I suppose when I think of servant heart, I think of the word readily. Okay. Um, that um I'm prompted to think about, um, often. So with no hesitation, uh, no reluctance, but to be willing, um, and very willing. Now that's easier some days than mm. others um, for me. But my my picture for me of God um, is someone who is eager to bless and eager to help. That's the servant heart. And, and that's the type of heart um, that I want that I want to have, that I try and live out um, on a daily basis. Uh, now, it is a wee bit of a joke around the place in here in Edge Hill as well, I have to say, is that I have an inability to say the word no. Okay. Um, hence why I'm sitting here um, and doing this podcast um, inability to say to say no but that in fact is the servant life that that I choose right so we joke about it but yet at the same time um, I'm okay with, with saying yes um, to things when mm-hmm. I'm being you know asked to do it that's about living wholeheartedly Lovely. for me um another strand sorry so many that's strands great. um is about listening. Right. So for me, um, I think I, I think I learned a lot about it, listening when uh, in my previous job, um, supporting victims of, of domestic abuse, because a major part of that job was about listening. Right. And I have to say it is it is one part of um, my, that job that I really miss. Now that makes it sound as if I don't listen to people in Edge Hill. No. I do. Uh-huh. <laughs> Promise. Do. Do. Um, it's it's just the fact of being able to draw alongside people, um, especially when it's during a time of great darkness and difficulty. Um, and in listening to them, um, them knowing that they're being understood. Mm-hmm that they're being accepted in the place that they are right now, um, that they're being supported, that they're being cared for, um, that they're being loved um, in the place that they are. Mm-hmm. So listening to me, again, is a big thing for for my walk and living wholeheartedly mm-hmm. um, on, a, on a daily basis. And I think another point, um, part of this is about um, joy. Okay. Uh, so I, as much as I can in my willingness um, and in my day to day living wholeheartedly is that I try to bring joy. Um, so 
uh, I try to make, I love to laugh. um, And people in this building probably would know that because they will hear it ricocheting off the walls. Yes. (laughs) Um, So, and I have a loud laugh and that's fine. That's who I am. But um, I also love to make other people laugh as well. Um, And I do try and do that appropriately. Um, So it, it is that case of that, because I love the fact that a, a change and a transformation can happen um, in somebody's day by the fact if they felt a wee bit of joy or a wee bit of happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, I think that's part of who I am to be yes. able to be able to do that. So I also see joy as being part of me living wholeheartedly. If, if that, I love if that, that makes that, sense. Please. I love it because I think that. Um, that often, and I do it too, we use language, we hear, we have heard God's invitation to live wholeheartedly. And I find myself using words like grapple with what that looks like. But yeah. actually, you're right, it's a joy-filled invitation, isn't it? And that living wholeheartedly is a joyful thing. Yeah. And I yeah. love you highlighting that. Mm-hmm. The other bit that comes home to me as I listen is that balance that you talked about, that willingness, that mm-hmm. no hesitations. And... I think that's lovely, that willingness to do it and how that fits with the listening, doesn't Mm -hmm. it? That it's, you know, it's not about, it's the listening to God so that the yeses are easy because that that relationship is there and you've heard and discerned. Yeah. Is that pie in the sky, Grace, or is that how it works? I mean, sometimes you do find, I think with listening, you know, you have to be very intentional about it sometimes and that willingness, you know, sometimes you do need to, you know, tell yourself, okay, I need to stop now and I need to listen. And I suppose a big part of listening, it's that threefold listening um, because you need to listen to the person. Mm -hmm. You need to listen to yourself and your own prejudices and and what you're bringing in that listening. But you're also listening to God because yes. um, you, you you want and you need to hear his His spirit speaking to you in order if there's a response, there may be no response that is needed, mm-hmm. but it's about being able to hear that person's story um, and um, to love them yeah. um, f- for the story that they're sharing, mm-hmm. whatever that story may be. Um, I suppose for me as well with, with the listening, there's, there's a level of you can bring joy in that listening as well. And I, I say that, um, and that's not minimizing any of the stories that I would have heard um, uh, over the years, yeah. but there's a level of that um, you want to be able to know that there's there's light there yeah. somewhere. Um, because when, when a place is filled with darkness, when someone's life is filled with darkness, you want them to know that they're, they're, there's the possibility of light. Um, and that can come through in a in a joyful way or or whatever. It's that mm. it's that sort of idea mm-hmm. I think about. So um, yeah, that's great. Thank you. So if we've got we've seen and heard what that looks like for you, the living wholeheartedly. You're now working with and for the church. You're an active member in your local congregation in Newton Abbey. Have you seen examples of churches who are embracing that living wholeheartedly? Yeah. Have you seen those examples? I have. I've, I've seen examples of uh, church and and individuals. Okay. So uh, church. So I I have a I have a friend who um, I try um, as regularly as possible to for us we meet for coffee right. to to have a chat um, and we listen to each other. Um, but 
uh, and it's different times and yeah. different places, different regularities as well. And um, at one point we went, we went for coffee. Now I realised on entering this this coffee shop that this was a new coffee shop to me, but it was a regular uh, place for her. Right. Um, because as we entered, um, she uh, called out to each of the employees by name wow. um, and said a cheer, hello, and how are you? You know, the sort of, um, how's it going sort wow. of thing. Now, I, I proceeded to the counter because it was my turn to pay. Uh-huh. And um, I noticed out of the corner of my eye that, that she took herself away from me she told me what she wanted but she took herself to the back of of the cafe um in order to speak to one of the employees a young a young woman who was um wiping and clearing a table at the back um and i watched intrigued um as she um helped the the girl to to clear up and put things on a tray and so on and they had what seemed like a very gentle um conversation now, I say conversation, but it was the it was the young girl who was talking, doing most of the talking, and my friend was was just listening. So I was curious about what the conversation was, and she did come back and sit down, obviously to to have coffee. Um, naturally, I didn't ask her what the conversation was, and she wasn't going to tell me. Um, but she did proceeded without me prompting her to say, you know, Grace, everyone in here has a story. Like we all have stories. Yes, that's right. And she said, um, and a lot of these um, people in here, um, their story is not being listened to. No one is hearing them. No one is listening to them. Um, And she said, you know, I come in here on a regular basis, obviously, and she knows each of them. And I says, well, how how does that go for you then? If, If they're telling your story, do you share with them or what happens? And she says, if I feel prompted by the spirit i i will okay um i'll maybe share a wee bit of my story if it relates to something that they're saying um and at times i even would say to them can i pray lovely um and she spends a bit of time with that so she does that on a regular basis um that's how she does her wholehearted living um and it was just again it's that idea of of being a listener of yes. being um someone who's there there to share mm-hmm. um, in their faith by listening to people. Yeah, and I suppose maybe connected to that is my my example of my own church. Great. Um, so uh, they uh, Newton Abbey Methodist Mission have a, a charity shop um, attached to it called the Hope Shop. Um, manageress and a, and a, a selection of volunteers. Now, as well as obviously selling their you know the the items there, um, they make cups of tea and people come in and sit at a couple of tables and and they would have, um, they would have chats Lovely. and they would they would spend time with them. And there's volunteers who are particularly, um, that's their job to do that. And um, they sit down and have conversations. Now, the people that come in and out of the charity shop are people, um, in fact, that will not have any other adult conversation the rest of that day mm. or, in fact, the rest of that week until they maybe come back into our charity shop for um, another cup of tea. Um, but there's something about that, about that ministry um, of that listening ear of being there um, that I see my own church. There's the practical help that they do, you know, because they, we do the food vouchers and the electric vouchers and things like that for people who need that practical help. But there's something about 
that that listening and spending time drawing yes. alongside someone um to let them know that they're being that they're being heard because mm-hmm. otherwise they don't feel as if they have a voice at all and there's no one listening or being concerned or being caring or being loving about well what's going on and you're, nobody's asking them that question mm-hmm. until that volunteer sits down with a cup of tea and asks how's your day that's lovely and that's not beyond any of us grace is no. sure it's not and yet mm-hmm. i'm sitting listening thinking you know i'm thinking what holds me back from doing that in the coffee shop and what holds us back yeah. do you think i think personally it's fear okay it's fear um there's the fear of um saying the wrong thing um of not having the right words uh the fear of being um seen as a bit different Mm. or well they're a bit weird Mm. or random you know those sorts of things um it's it's the fear of if i say something wrong i can't take this back you know i can't undo you know what i've said and what happens if it's um you know if it's the wrong thing i also think that um that sometimes um it's almost as if we think that we're not enough okay uh that uh, to do with the right words, you know, that we feel as if we need to have a certain level of knowledge or understanding or biblical knowledge or, you know, those yes. sorts of things to be able to have a conversation with someone. Because what happens if they ask me a question that mm-hmm. um, I don't know the answer to, yes, you know, that sort of thing. I and I think attached to that then is how we compare ourselves to other. So I know individuals that do that. I know churches that do that because they're looking at, oh, this church is doing this and this church isn't doing this or we're not doing this in our church. So they're they're comparing themselves all the time. And all that is doing is allowing the devil to, to do a merry dance, basically, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on it because he, he's winning in that. Yes. Um, in the sense of then it's stopping us from doing things because we're we're afraid of failure. That's it. Or afraid of making a mistake. Um where I make mistakes every day. Mm-hmm. Um but it's about trying to learn from those things. That's it. Um and accepting, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna try again tomorrow. Yeah. Um yeah. whether it's the same thing or let's try something different. So I think it's to do I think a big thing for me, I think personally, it's just about being about being afraid mm-hmm. um but i think we forget um that i suppose courage to live wholeheartedly um doesn't mean um that it's, it's that you're not going to feel the fear yes so the fear is the emotion or the reaction but courage is the decision you know you need to we need to make the decision Very that good. we're that we're going to do something mm-hmm. so fear is the reaction but courage um is is the decision um so i guess it's the it's the sense of feeling the fear and doing it anyway brilliant yeah and it's so good because i th- i love the fact that we're a church that talks about taking risks yeah that we try we don't always get it right but we no. try to have each other's backs when things do go wrong but actually it's very easy to talk about taking risks yeah. and i love that fact of actually let's yeah. admit that because it's true yeah. <laughs> there's fear there but actually that god's calling out of courage yeah. to do it yeah. and let's be part of a community that stands with each other yeah, yeah. 
And I think you're so right to highlight the comparison piece in terms of individuals and churches and communities. Yeah. Actually, God's co God could be calling different yeah. things in different yeah. places. Yeah. And, and like us talking about the listening thing, I mean, it's it can be so simple. Yes. But yet we make it into something that is so massive, and mm -hmm. it doesn't it doesn't need to be. Yeah. Um, I think we we ourselves as individuals as people are putting obstacles in our own way, um, and we just need to stop doing that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so we just need the courage either to get them out of the way or climb over them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Tell us then so about about your work. So you okay. um, with others in the church, so MWI and the Safeguarding Board have been really significant in bringing um, the issue of domestic violence to it's wrong to say the attention of the church because that sounds like us and them because yes. actually this is all us, all, all us. Mm -hmm. Tell us about tell us about that journey and about why why is it important that church communities, that church families take take the reality of domestic violence seriously? Yeah, that's it's quite a question. <laughs> um, I think the short answer. I'm obviously going to give you a long answer, but the short answer is is that. Um, domestic abuse is an injustice in our society. Now, we should be able to put a full stop at the end of that okay. and say, well, that's the reason. It's an injustice in our society. And we are people in, in a church as followers of Jesus for the transformation of the world who should be making a difference mm -hmm. to the injustices in our society. So that that is a that is a short a short answer. Mm -hmm. um, to follow that up, I'll give you a couple of, couple of statistics um just so you, you, you see what we're what I guess what we're dealing with here on this island so um between June 2020 and July 2021 there were 24,868 um domestic abuse incidences in the Republic of Ireland that were um reported to the, the Garda. In Northern Ireland during that same 12 months there was 31,174 incidences of domestic abuse that were reported to the PSNI. Now something significant about those statistics they're massive mm -hmm. but they're only the ones that were reported. Mm -hmm. So they're the ones that the Garda have on record and the ones of the PSNI. So can we even fathom or imagine, we don't want to, yeah. um, how many more incidences are happening on a, on a daily basis? It's something like every 17 um, minutes that a phone call is made about a domestic abuse incident, um, whether Republic of Ireland or the North of Ireland. So it's, it's, a, it's a massive area to be thinking about. Mm -hmm. And I suppose because of my previous work, um, with um, as a support worker for victims of domestic abuse, um, I was very focused on that for eight years. Um, I feel very strongly as an individual, as a human being, um, and as a Christian, uh, to believe that change needs to happen mm -hmm. uh, because there are so many victims who who need help and need support. Um, and I guess it's it's thinking well. Where is the church 
in in yeah. that. Where are any of our churches, our denomination, any of the denominations? Where where are they in that? What questions mm-hmm. are they asking? Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose when I started when I started um, in my in my job, I asked myself that question um, about well, what is the Methodist Church in Ireland doing um, about domestic abuse? What are they doing to help victims of domestic abuse? And as I sat down and tried to work that out and did a bit of research Mm -hmm. um, about conversations that I knew had happened and were happening, um, a big part of that goes, well, you know, we need there needs to be more conversations and there needs to be a bigger circle of people who were going to be involved in this. Um, You know, we need to take it to another level than where than where it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just a part of, of of what I felt that needed to be done. So I so I had conversations um, in order to, to say, well, what can we do with this? And a big part of that was being able to do partnership then with, with Onus. Good. Um, who's a, the organisation who um, brought Safe Place to where, to where it is now, the Safe Place Initiative. And the Safe Place Initiative is is basically any organisation, church, business, school, anybody, an individual who is basically committing themselves a pledge of not committing, condoning or staying silent about domestic abuse. That's that's what it is mm-hmm. in a nutshell. Okay. Um, and I, and I guess there was a level of so there needs to be work done. Mm-hmm. And for me to say, as I said at the beginning of this, you know, it's an injustice in our society. Um, part of who we are should be about advocating and protecting the vulnerable. It's part of the, the gospel message yes. of Christ. Um, I mean, we we read about it in um, Luke chapter 4 I might have quoted that wrong I think it's Luke chapter 4 um, when Jesus reads um, the scroll mm-hmm. I'm glad you're not in Heather <laughs> so I got that right <laughs> um, that um, about how we should um, proclaim uh, it proclaims about the release of captives yes. um, about the recovery of sight to the blind um, about the let the oppressed um, go free mm-hmm. you know that that to me is like a mission statement yeah um, in itself, those words. That's that's part of what the gospel message is. So, so we need we need to do that. Yeah. That's part of our call. Okay. Um, and that should be how who we are as followers of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Protection, advocating. There's there's voices of victims out there that aren't being heard. People who aren't being helped. You know that need need supported in that. So the the safe place initiative. And getting that going and and setting up training so that churches um, could come along to, uh, you know, as a, it's on Zoom, right. you know, for for an hour and fifteen minutes, um, to hear some um, information about domestic abuse, to learn a wee bit more about it, um, to find out what the Safe Place Initiative is about, receiving the resources to do, you know, with posters and um, wee business cards that have the relevant numbers on it um, so that anybody comes into a church um, into any organization would be able to get a get a card or see it even mm-hmm. you know for themselves and and say 
that's that's where I can go and get get support. So it's a signposting initiative. Good. It's not that a church is going to have to do. It's not about them counselling or anything like that. It's basically them signposting, um, and having the information there available. Um, it's free, um, d- for for victims to be able to to say that 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 there's help within. Okay. You know this this church um, mm. that these people are are willing to to hear me and 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 to help me. So I suppose the safe place initiative was was the start of that. Um, and getting that up and going, there was a, a wonderful working group um, that mm. was put together, and um, there was a, a response to domestic abuse that was done, some documentation, a policy around it. There was guidelines and and worship resources um, that are all on the website um, for anybody to be able to, to get access to. Um, and I guess for me, any of these things, safe place, those resources, all those things, those responses, those guidelines are are like an outworking yeah. of the gospel principles that we read in Luke chapter four. Brilliant. That's part of Jesus's teaching. This is what he is asking. This is what's being asked of us mm-hmm. um, as individuals and, and as a Methodist Church um, and I just that that was just something I know I brought into this um, from my past experience with work um, and just felt that it was something that the Methodist Church could do could do better than what I'd been doing before um, and hopefully um, as times goes on um, there'll be there'll be more things yeah, um, you know, that, can, that can be done so it's great, Grace. And I think, I mean, there's so many strands to that, aren't I mean, this is about the transformation of the world. And I think, you know, even then, you know, if we name areas like mm. domestic abuse, church can be so divorced, you yeah. know, from, from reality sometimes. Yeah. And I think we need to name the issues that are real. Sort of, I come in and domestic abuse is part of my life. Even to see, oh, this church, this people recognise this. Yeah. Um, and like this is something that I can talk about if I want to mm-hmm. or there's a card here yeah. and support for me. Yeah. Even those seemingly small actions can be very significant. Yeah, and I suppose for the way it sits, the way it's sitting at the minute with um, the Methodist Church and the Safe Place Initiative, there has been um, 86 churches who um, have either inquired, Good. have registered or who have attended um, a safe place training. So there's there's 86 churches, but yet out of the 86 churches, there's only 52 of them who have actually registered to become a safe place so far. Mm-hmm. Now I'm sort of hoping it's just, you know, there'll maybe be a wee bit of lag and they're Absolutely. just a wee bit behind and they'll maybe catch up a wee bit. Um, so there are there are fifty two of our Methodist churches who are now registered um, as safe place, and in fact, um, what's really exciting about that too is the fact that um, twenty three of those fifty two churches have went on to the next part. So there's okay. a progression stage, and you can become a safe church. Right. Um, it just involves a wee bit more training. Um, and it's very specifically around spiritual abuse, that extra training, um, just so that there's a wee bit more information that churches can can have about domestic abuse and how they can how they can support how they can support victims. Um, it, it, you know, it is, as I say, very simple. Mm-hmm. The training, getting the free resources. Uh, it's 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 about churches and individuals 
making that pledge not to commit, condone or stay silent um, about about domestic abuse. So one way in which some church communities may find the Holy Spirit nudging them to be engaged in yeah. what God's doing is through engaging in safe, in safe place. Yeah. Have you examples, Grace? Are there stories yeah, to tell? Yeah, so I mean... There's a few. There would be a few. There's one in particular um, that I'll share with you because, and, and and I use this example. I mean, and it's a great example. But again, we're back to what we said earlier on about not comparing. Sure. Um. So this is a great example. But at the same time, if all people, if all a church can do is hang up some posters and put some business cards, um, information cards into their their toilets, mm-hmm. that is brilliant yes absolutely brilliant and i would be over the moon that that would be the case in all our churches um right across ireland mm-hmm. for that be the case there's one particular church and it's it's a lot to do with their location um they are a safe church and have been for um a number of years and they um were their positioned in their town is very close to the the courthouse okay. um family court and became um and they they were sort of doing partnership working to do with helping with food and so on already with victims of domestic abuse who were having to flee their homes Mm -hmm. with only the clothes on their backs and nothing for their children and all this sort of stuff so they were already helping in that way in fact but they realised through conversations with um, the organisation that they were partnering with with regards to domestic abuse that the courthouse waiting area, waiting room, was um, very small, which actually meant that victims of domestic abuse were having to sit in a confined space with their abuser because there was nowhere else for them to go. Um, and they were... You know, there was no coffee shop nearby and even then they were too nervous in case they were going to miss when they were called into court and things Mm -hmm. like that. So it was very, very difficult, Um, extremely frightening um, and um, very emotional um, Mm -hmm. for the victims. And conversations that happened with with the courthouse about how, how... could something be done about this? Is there not other rooms? Is there not? And it was just a no, 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 no. So this particular Methodist church decided to open their hall um, and provide tea and coffee for the victims. And in fact, um, from my experience of of working, supporting and having to do court support um, with victims, you can be there from nine o'clock in the morning and still be there at six o'clock at night um, and be there a full day and then for it just to be adjourned and you have to come back another day. Um, so the, this particular church had got some volunteers and um, they made some tea and coffee and if needed, they provided lunch right. um, for it. It actually has expanded a wee bit more because um, it's family court. Mm-hmm. So it's usually about um, to do with contact with children. And but the, the mums, for example, didn't have anybody to look after their children okay. and they couldn't bring them into court with them. It wasn't appropriate, naturally. So. They set up some volunteers who they could bring their children, but the children stayed in the... Now, they did all everything that they needed to do. They did their safeguarding training. Absolutely. They did everything they were supposed to do. Um, but in order... That was a, a safe place. I mean, literally mm-hmm. a safe place um, that um, they could be at least... Relaxed is not the right word, no. but um, they could feel it at ease a wee bit more. 
um, rather than having to sit in that confined space um, with someone who had either physically, emotionally or mentally, you know, had had abused them. Mm-hmm. So it's great. And it is, I mean, circling back to where we were in terms of, you know, discerning what's right and not being worried about comparisons <laughs> and risks. There's just something about being willing to take a step mm-hmm. and amazing to see then what God very gently opens up yeah. when we're willing to do that, isn't exactly. it? You know, and, yeah. and I'm listening to you thinking, Grace, you know, what, what would you say... And the, it be, what God's stirring in folks' heart, even as they listen, might not even be about domestic abuse. Yeah. You know, there'll be other injustices and issues that God places in people's hearts. Yeah. What What would you say to them? What would you say to the folks who are listening, thinking that's just not relevant? Well, I guess the thing, and I suppose I'm maybe back to, you know, when we think about, well, what are the reasons why you know, people struggle with that idea of living wholeheartedly mm-hmm. or um, I suppose for me thinking, well, why is it that some of our churches haven't signed up Aye. yet to save place? You know, that, and there could be any number of reasons. One of it could actually be that, you know, they, they see emails coming out and they see information coming out about domestic abuse and they're going, but there's so much other stuff. Absolutely. So much other stuff. And we, and we know we can become um, very, very weary sometimes That's with right. the, the amount of stuff. Um, when we look into the dark and difficult world that, that, that we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, and think about, well, I don't know if I can do anything about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess, I guess for me, um, when I think about it, whether it be domestic abuse or or any other injustice in the world, um, I would like us as a as a denomination, us as individuals, to actually to be that even if it's a small light, in that darkness, mm-hmm. um. Because it's just so very important, I think, that as we think about living wholeheartedly as followers of Jesus for the transformation of the world, that to be a light in that would be something that would be just just so amazing. And the, I don't think we give ourselves enough because we, we do bog ourselves down with we're frightened of the unknown. We don't know what that's going to look like. And what if, what if, mm-hmm. what if, what if, instead of... You know, feeling the fear yeah. and doing it anyway, and, um, and just ex- yeah, <laughs> and just accepting that God is with you and that um, He's going to see your mistakes. He's going to see the things that you you know you get wrong, but oh my goodness, He's going to see the things that um, are going to change. Um, and how exciting is it to be just a part of that? To be a part of that that light and you think of all the small lights together will make a massive light um and yeah i'm i'm just all for that and just thinking oh if we could just just make a difference would just be amazing i think grace thank you so much thank you for sharing your heart thank you for sharing the stories of what you're seeing and and your passion can we pray loving god Our heart prayer is that you would stir in the hearts of all your people that longing to be part of what you're doing in the world. 
Lord, as Jesus uh, stood and read that scroll in the synagogue and invited uh, the people who call themselves a Christian who belong to Jesus to, to be people who proclaim good news, uh, who, who are on the side of, of those who are prisoners, who care about those uh, who feel uncared for. Lord, would you raise up a people who live those values? Lord, would you put in our hearts that desire uh, to live wholeheartedly uh, as your followers, Jesus, for the transformation of the world? And Lord, we can't sit and talk about those who um, are victims of domestic abuse without holding them in prayer before you. Mm. Lord, we pray for peace. We pray for protection. We pray for courage. For all those affected uh, by that awful reality today. For those who make phone calls to the guards or to the PSNI today. For those who long to have the courage to make that call. For those who feel imprisoned. Lord, we pray for a better future for each and every one and that you would use uh, your church to be part uh, of bringing that light and hope. We pray these things as we surrender ourselves into your hands. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So thank you to Grace and thank you for watching or for listening. Uh, as you know, if you've listened to some of these podcasts, they'll be continuing uh, throughout this year as we help each other to live wholeheartedly as followers of Jesus for the transformation of the world. So please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts uh, and join in as we make this journey uh, through this time. Thank you.